You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're joined by Joe Goodberry, at Joe Goodberry on Twitter, to discuss Cincinnati Bengals needs. And we're going to take a look ahead as we are until the draft, to the draft, and talk about how the Bengals needs line up with this year's draft class. We're part of the Locked On podcast network, your team every day. Free and available everywhere you get your podcasts and on YouTube. So make sure you subscribe. Make sure you follow to get us delivered to your eyes and ears. First thing when we upload every day. And we appreciate you making us your first listen. Joe, you did a big Twitter poll. And if you don't know Joe Goodberry and you're watching the Lockdown Bengals podcast, used to host the Lockdown Bengals podcast with me, used to write for The Athletic and you probably know who Joe Goodberry is, a fantastic Twitter follow for all things Bengals football and some comic book stuff, I guess. But Joe, you did a tweet the other day, and your tweet was a poll asking, what are the Bengals' biggest needs? Care to review the results of that tweet with the Locked On Bengals listeners? Yeah, at first, the first uh, 500 or so votes were like straight corner, about 80% leading the way co- completely. So I jumped in a little, and and that can tend to sway the votes a little bit afterwards. And I started talking about defensive tackle and, and guard as uh, guys like John Sheeran and Andre Perota jumped in and, and other people as well. But uh, uh, it ended up being about 68% corner and then splitting the rest between other left guard and defensive tackle, which – Got to say, I was pretty surprised that it went so hard at corner. Yeah, it feels like the the consensus has really zeroed in on corner being the biggest need. I'm glad you ran that poll. Jake and I were talking about it uh, off the show a few days ago, and so that just uh, further cements that idea. But we ha- we're having you on the show, so we want to know, what do you think about the Bengals' biggest needs? Do you think it's that order? Do you think it starts with corner, or is it uh, a little deeper than that? You know, it's hard, right? How do you classify need and how do you rank it? Because I think it depends. Like heading into the draft, so you're looking at if you're going to attack this in a, in a, for, through the prism of the draft, you're, you're making a four-year investment, maybe a five if it's a first-round pick. Um, so it's a need not just right now, but it's a need for the next few years. So I think that some of that plays into it when they give guys one-year deals or maybe you're not feeling great about the, the current starter there. So as I look at it, I do think there is a potential that Jackson Carmen is either decent or poor again at left guard, which scares me because I'm not sure I really like any of the other options if it gets down to a Deontay Smith or even worse, a Trey Hill. So left guard could still be a, a hole in the offense that is um, weighing them down. We see how one guard position can can kill an offense for the last few years, whether that be left or right guard. So I I I put that up there really high, but they've made a recent investment in Jackson Carmen, a high second round pick. So that kind of gives me pause. And then I look at corner and I think from the depth, I felt like they had going into last year. Because remember at this time, it was Trey Waynes, Darius Phillips, Eli Apple. I mean, you, you really just only bring back Eli Apple. Uh, and with that, that means you have got no one as a fourth or fifth corner. So what does that mean? Do you need an upgrade for Eli Apple? I think a lot of people would make that argument that we would like to have that insurance in case he's not as good as he was through the stretch of last year. Um, and then you'd like the depth, obviously. So you want to develop a guy. I think that's a future need and an immediate 
potential to upgrade. But that probably, to me, slides a little bit behind left guard because I feel like the impact of left guard to your offense, which is your that's your wheelhouse. Your offense better be good on this team, even though the defense carried them in a lot of games. I think the offense needs to carry the team through the future. Uh, so I, I would rather secure that. And then I think the underrated one that I had to make an argument for was defensive tackle because they're losing 724 snaps that Larry Ogan Joby played last year and maybe a little bit more, 500 or so in the regular season for B.J. Hill. Maybe he gets an extra 200. It still leaves someone to take those 500 snaps that B.J. Hill played because the Bengals played with a lot of uh, three, four, five, two fronts, which is going to be three defensive tackles on the field. They had four guys over 400 snaps last year out of defensive tackles. Josh Tapo being the fourth guy. That's a significant amount of snaps even for, for the free or fourth guy to even reach that many. So I think as they sit right now, if they want to play their base three, four defense, it would be B.J. Hill and Josh Tapo um, surrounding D.J. Reader at nose tackle. Is that good enough? It's okay. You know, we feel we like B.J. Hill, but do we like Josh Tapoe as an every down or at least a base down player? And then the biggest hurdle or the biggest need, I think, where defense tackle really comes in is in the nickel pass rush unit, who's that other guy? Does that mean Sam Hubbard's kicking in? He's actually been better, uh, if you look at the numbers, at defensive end than he has defensive tackle. We would like Joseph Asai to be that end, and I'm getting long-winded now. But you can see what I'm saying. If Hubbard or, or Asai is that other end outside of uh, Trey Hendrickson, who is that other defensive tackle to provide a pass rush? Because even when it was Ogunjobi and Hill, it didn't feel like it was enough. And there's also potentially some hope for Cam Sample, the other guy you didn't mention. I know you're starting to talk about every guy on the defensive line and you wanted to stop talking, but Cam Sample is another guy who has some position versatility, played inside in college a little bit, and I think played inside a little bit for the Bengals last year too, if I'm not mistaken. I think we also saw some three-down lineman fronts and mm -hmm. they were moving Sam Hubbard around, standing him up. Some three-three-five stuff where Sam Hubbard was a roving linebacker. We saw three safety stuff, so maybe they go with an extra safety and play three linemen that way and, and try to disguise where the fourth rusher is coming from or, or just rush three as they did at times last year to, to mix success, although great success against Patrick Mahomes at times in the playoffs. I do think it gets really interesting, though. I do think that it's really hard to, to nail one down because as you've described, Joe, at corner, they're not missing any starter stats from last year, but the depth is miles away from where it was last year, where Eli Apple was able to step up and play. And if they lose a corner for the year, and I know we can't talk about, you know, all the injury possibilities because they also exist everywhere. There's really no one else that's played in the NFL on the roster right now, Jalen Davis is, is the next guy. And then at left guard, James, I know you feel passionately that we, we can't really trust the Bengals to develop linemen right now because they haven't done it. And they've whiffed in the draft for so long mm -hmm. and, and it's visible in their free agency this year. They finally spent money on interior offensive linemen because they've gone so long missing in the draft and missing with development that they said, okay, Enough is enough. Let's pay the position so we can compete with this quarterback. Yeah, it's it's uh it's a dilemma, right? And it's one of those things where if you had to be bad at one of the spots, which one would you rather or prefer to not be bad at <laughs> or or worse at? And well, if the Bengals are going to make it back to the Super Bowl, is it going to be because of Eli Apple and in, in a great secondary, or is it going to be because of Joe Burrow? And and so that's how that's my tiebreaker is if you want to unlock this team and get to the 
that next level, it's this offensive line has to take a step forward. And we've kind of figured out that it's probably a big five that, that I've said. I don't know if I've said it on the show or not. I know I've said it to you, Jake, when we're not recording, but it's a big five and it's three offensive linemen and it's two cornerbacks. And if any of them are there at 31, you feel good about it. And there's a chance none of them are there. And I'm, I'm talking about um, Zion Johnson, Tyler Linderbaum, and um, who's up, Kenyon Green, and then Kyer Elam and Andrew Booth. And so odds are the decision is going to be made for the Bengals. And maybe one guy is there. And so then it's it's easier. But that other spot, whatever it is, you're going to feel uneasy about it because there are, they can only address one spot at, at 31. And yeah, the trade down idea is there. But it's, it's a really interesting dilemma. But you know what I would say? I would say in NFL circles, um, Jalen Davis was as high a year ago as Eli Apple is a year or, or is high right now as Eli Apple is a year ago. Eli Apple had zero stock, had no nothing. I think he was probably done in the league if the Bengals didn't sign him. And I, I mean that. Like it he played great. 15 starts, got a four million dollar deal to return to the Bengals. It's not like he was a hot commodity this offseason. So I would say that is maybe the Bengals believe that Davis could be a little something, but uh, I would expect them to add someone too before the draft because they like depth. And I think they're going to add at least one more proven corner. They did add a tight end on Tuesday. We'll talk about that. I don't know. Another time, probably tomorrow. I think he'll compete for an end of roster spot or on the practice squad. But I think that the conversation Hayden Hurst too. more interesting <laughs> when you start to dive into how rookies can help you at these positions and where the value is in this draft. So we'll continue the conversation around needs and how rookies might be able to help coming up next. Joe Burrow loves sunglasses and well, you love the Bengals and you probably love Joe Burrow if you're listening to this podcast. So you got to get Shady Rays, an independent sunglasses company that gives you features of $200 sunglasses for a fraction of the cost. They're well constructed. They're going to replace the sunglasses if you lose them like Jake Lisko or myself, because look, we lose our sunglasses. He lives on an island. It's real easy to lose your sunglasses on an island. I don't know why it's a Jake Lisko problem. Ask him. Point is, is that Shady Rays is going to replace them for free and you're already getting them at a fraction of the cost. So you need to check them out right now. And the best part, they're going to donate 10 meals to fight hunger in America when you shop with Shady Rays. So go to shadyrays.com, use promo code locked on, and you're going to get 15 or 50, not 15. What am I doing? 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. So don't delay, <clears throat> get them right now at shadyrays.com promo code locked on for 50% off the polarized sunglasses. You're not wrong about losing sunglasses by the way, James. It happens. Everybody to me does. So I didn't much. even ask you. Everybody does, right? And, and I have like 500-ish dollar prescription sunglasses that it's it's absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. All right, guys, let's get back to the football conversation here. Let's talk about first-year impacts at these positions because you can get it at corner. You can get it at left guard. You can get it at defensive tackle. Joe, I feel like you've done a lot of work looking at first-year impacts from rookies, especially uh, not necessarily first-round rookies, but we looked at this a lot with offensive linemen in the last couple of years. 
from from what you've done from your research in these areas off the top of your head which of these three positions defensive tackle three tech specifically left guard and corner could the bengals get the biggest year one return or impact on a 31 draft pick it would be an offensive line and it's not even a high bar. Uh, I remember when we did this, they came out as the best uh, first rounders uh, are usually like a Bobby Hart level, which we're looking at tackles at the time, but I remember it also applied to interior offensive linemen also, which if we remember at that time, Bobby Hart was coming off his best year as a Bengal still wasn't good enough, right? We wanted to upgrade. We wanted to get rid of the penalties and the, and the really the bad plays, uh, but you could that guy in a, at one of these guard spots. That would be an upgrade over what they had at Hakeem Adenogy. So it would give you five good starting offensive linemen at the very, or at least solid starting offensive linemen. Remember, even in, in the 2015 season and that that group, they didn't have five good offensive linemen. You had that Russell Bodine uh, anchor in that and anchoring the middle of that line, and he was uh, probably the biggest hole on that entire offense. And so you, the opportunity there to get five good starters is something that is very rare for a lot of teams. And, and so that is the potential there. Defensive tackles usually take at least one full season. Uh, corners are really hit and miss. You can, Sometimes you'll get some rookies that will come in and you're like, okay, I can survive with this guy. You get an Eli Apple kind of level of play that they got last year where it's fine. You can, you can win with that. Um, other offenses may target that position right because it's a rookie let's see what he's got and he's got to prove himself more than maybe some of the other veterans on on the roster but uh that's more up and down more volatile because you can get a guy that's really he's not ready to play and you find out very early at corner and then the other probably uh minor need but one i think they will address in probably the top four rounds maybe five rounds uh tight end that takes two years at least so that's like the longest development time and i do think they'll take a tight end so it kind of makes it interesting on how you want to place those guys because you really probably shouldn't expect contributions from more than what two rookies, not three, and then especially late in the first, second, third round. Yeah, I mean it was two last year, right? And and it, they were hoping it would be three with with Jackson Carmen. It obviously didn't work out. You have Evan McPherson and Jamar Chase going off, and it's it's so unique, Joe. I think picking thirty one in in shifting that mindset, and I, I still think they can get this instant impact starting player, but. It's tough. Like I lean offensive line, but if the three guys that I named, you know, Johnson, Green, and Linderbaum are gone, well, I'm not saying just pick an offensive lineman to pick one. That there's a reason I'm calling it the, you know, the the big five, right? And so if all five are gone, that's what's tough. And in our mock earlier this week, it was like, well, damn, let's trade back. And that might be the most intriguing part. If they could trade back, some team moves up for a quarterback, and then you can hit on multiple spots and get maybe a, uh, an offensive lineman uh, in, in round two that you feel good about, or you, you get the cornerback because it, you know, it seems like the depth there might not in this draft is, is a little more concerning. How, how do you view that part of it? Let's say they go offensive line at 31. Can they still address corner and feel like they can get an Eli Apple replacement? If Apple misses half the season due to an injury, obviously you don't want that to happen and flip it. Can they get a guy on day two? to compete with and, and beat out Jackson Carmen because he's about as unproven as unproven goes from a left guard standpoint. Yeah. I actually want to uh, address the trade back thing real quick before I forget about it. Only 10 AFC teams hold first round picks this year. Um, you have a chance to right? there's six. Cause I think of all of them getting these quarterbacks trading for Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, things like that. You have actually have a chance to, um, get if you hit that first round pick amongst the AFC teams, you got a chance to move up a little bit and get that um, impact rookie that 
six teams are not going to get. The fourth highest drafting team in the AFC is the Baltimore Ravens, and they're a decent team. I mean, you think, look at where these draft picks and where it's going. I, if you trade back, and depending on who you trade back with, maybe it's the Falcons or Lions, so it really doesn't matter. You're not getting an AFC team, another quarterback, right, to get in there. You're not trading with the Steelers to go up and get Malik Willis. God, no, you're not doing that. Uh, but the point remains is you have an opportunity to maybe jump ahead a few teams that don't have the picks this year because they've made – you know, sacrifices in other ways. Uh, so that kind of gives me pause a little bit. I thought that was an interesting uh, nugget there. But I remember writing in 2012 for Bengals.com how the needs in that draft lined up perfectly with what the, the the depth and the strength of that draft class was. And I don't feel that way this year. It's kind of interesting. And like we're, we're hoping a Tyler Linderbaum falls, right? Because I think he's a top 15-ish guy. Centers don't get drafted until like pick 20-ish range comes around. So it's not a, a big stretch to see if that he's still there. We had two mock drafts today uh, as I'm looking this morning and everyone's posting their mock drafts. Two of them had Tyler Lindebaum there, ESPN's Todd McShay being one of them. Uh, I'm like, yeah, if, if it plays out in this scenario, what a, what a way to get a top 15 player that, that's still there. Uh, but otherwise, I – I don't see very many mocks where Kenyon Green or Zion Johnson are still there. I don't see very many mocks where it's either you're picking one of Booth or Elam, and I don't feel like great about either. I would take it, but I don't feel great about either player. Uh, I think the depth in this draft at corner may be in rounds two and three, actually. There's a lot of developmental guys, a lot of guys that either tested really well or had high production numbers, guys I like on tape that maybe had a little bit of both. And I think you could probably wait until round two or three and grab a corner um, but other than that, I don't like the depth on the offensive line unless I'm getting a center in the mid rounds, a Cole Strange or a Cam Jurgens in the third, fourth round. Uh, and then you're playing Ted Karras at guard if, if Jackson Carmen doesn't show up and play. Uh, it, so I'm kind of like at 31, hoping one of these top guys fall. I think Tyler Linderbaum is the best case scenario. And then in that scenario, is it where do, do these defensive tackles fall in rank? Because that's one we, you, in your big five, you're, you only have one listed, right? Is it Devontae Wyatt? Is he six, seven, eight? We're going to have to have a board here and have like a top 10 target list by the time we get to the draft to really see where we'd slot that guy. And then there's like, I just assume that he would be gone. That that was kind of in my, in my head, mm-hmm. but go ahead. He could be there because he's 24 and because his production numbers are basically bottom of the floor type stuff. Uh, he, and then you got like a Travis Jones out of UConn, who's like nose tackle, five tech type body and, and athleticism, uh, but played a lot of three tech, didn't play nose tech at UConn and, and was pretty good. He's going against uh, not guys that Devontae went against, but he didn't have help around him either that Wyatt had. So it'll be interesting to see where these guys line up and stack up. Are they worthy of that 31st pick? And how desperate do you get if the top, if your big five aren't there? And I wonder where they would go if it's not one of those positions, because the Bengals are for the first time in a while in a place where maybe, you know, maybe if they did a little bit more in free agency, you feel better about saying this, but maybe they're in a spot where they can truly go BPA, which is how we end up drafting a safety in the first round at 31 in our mock draft. Or maybe they look at an edge rusher that's fallen. If some quarterbacks get picked or maybe they're all gone and no quarterbacks get drafted. And we're faced with the situation James and I were looking at, on monday and we had to trade back but i think that's what i want to talk about next joe so in a minute let's dive into some of the players that or positions that may might be strongest at 31 that maybe aren't the perfect marriage of need and value but still provide a really good player we're talking about needs and obviously the need conversation is based around eli apple and jackson carmen and if if those guys end up starting that'd be great well if they 
plan to, to start for the Bengals. That means that they're going to have to earn it, and they could earn it by getting on the Built Bar plan. You see how I tied all that in? Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. They can help Jackson Carmen. They can help Eli Apple. They could help Joe Burrow. They could help Joe Goodberry. They could help you. So check them out right now at Built.com and get the protein bar that's covered in 100% chocolate. There's a bunch of different flavors. They taste great. They're high in protein. They're low in sugar. They're low in calories. So whether you're just trying to get a post-workout protein punch or just eat a little healthier in between meetings or earn a starting job at Left Guard, you should check out Built Bar right now at Built.com. Use promo code LOCKED15. You're going to get 15% off your order. Again, for 15% off the number one protein bar on the planet, go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15. We've talked a lot about needs. We've decided... Well, maybe this doesn't line up perfectly. And that's going to happen when you're picking at the back of the first round. James, something I've said a lot is that when you're picking 31st, it's kind of like picking first, but you don't get a first round pick in terms of the caliber of player you're getting in each spot. Mm -hmm. And so one thing you see teams in this position do sometimes is they'll pick a guy that isn't necessarily an urgent need. And they'll look at, we, we were a Super Bowl team last year, they'll think to themselves. We, we addressed our biggest need in free agency, they'll think to themselves. We drafted three offensive linemen last year, they'll think to themselves. And then they'll talk themselves into, how about Boy Mafe? How about an athlete at edge? How about, how about somebody else at edge who was really productive? How about uh, Jaquan Brisker to, to figure out our safety of the future? Or that thing that we're not quite ready to talk about James for this is a full segment at some point the situation where the Bengals decide oh maybe we can't extend Jesse Bates and maybe we can get a first round (laughs) pick or maybe not but maybe we can get a first round pick and maybe that first round pick can be somebody and then we draft Jaquan Brisker or Lewis sign or whoever you like at safety at 31 because it seems like safety at 31 is pretty strong but Joe without putting too many ideas in your head where do you see the, the biggest value at 31 from what you've done to, so far? It does seem like uh, safety. And I wanted to circle around to this after you said earlier, maybe they play more 3-3-5. Maybe they play big nickel or whatever, you, however you want to call it. Um, and that would require them having a third safety, right? And that would require them being able to be more uh, multiple on defense more often. And there were times I felt like they liked their third safety. And then, you know, now you look at the depth there and it's, there's there's nobody there. Uh, they haven't signed a veteran. You kind of think they're going to draft one. I don't know if that's 31, round two, three, four. But if you can get a guy that can play as a rookie, you can do more of those things. Uh, and you're right. That is the unspoken thing about the Jesse Bates. Do they Are they in position to look ahead a year and say, okay, we need to take an edge or a tight end Man, tight end at 31. Would it be crazy if they took Trey McBride and just, you know, Mm -hmm. the board fell where it was. And it's just like, you know what? We like this guy. Um, He's not going to be there at 63. And he checks all of our boxes. So let's take him at 31. It's a different scenario. But being able to go BPA or going a year or two ahead on needs is how they ended up with Tyler Eifert. If you remember in that draft class, that was kind of out of nowhere. Uh, He was supposed to be a top 10 player. Different here because I think Trey McBride is supposed to be in the 40s range of being drafted. But I could see a scenario where you're right, where the mindset is not the needs of 2021, but more how can we either elevate a position like a Nicobe Dean, right, linebacker, and you get a guy that's like, okay, 
we have a couple of third rounders that we like, but we don't have an Kobe Dean. So we now we play more three three five with a true linebacker there, and he can do a lot. He can blitz. He can do different things. Uh, he can cover away. You know, most guys can't. So I think you you look at that and say, okay, that would enhance your defense. That would give you a new element that you didn't have last year. Uh, the other one will be like a, a scenario where they take a David Ajabu. Uh, who just tore his Achilles, the pass rusher from Michigan, who was pretty raw, pretty much one year of good production, but he needed the time to develop is the reason why I wouldn't take him because I think he needs the reps and and he's not going to be ready. Achilles injury. We've seen this. We started talking about um, Leon Hall before we even started recording how he was an elite athlete and still was after two Achilles injuries. Would Ajabo be the same way? Could he still hold that 95th percentile uh, athleticism that he had uh, tested at the combine and would it be worth the risk for a guy that needed the live reps, but you can end up with a top 15 pass rusher, which w- that's where the good ones tend to go. Uh, that would be an interesting uh, play. And, and I could see that going along the same mindset. Yeah. It's as you were saying that, right. The, the idea of McBride, right. P- people are probably like, Oh my God, can you imagine? But I just think there's going to be this, this class of, of player. If, big five, maybe it's a big six, you include wide or some, something like that. But the, if this top tier is gone, where they're like, if we can't move down, we just got to take the the guy that is highest. And it could be someone like that, like a McBride. But most of the scenarios, you mentioned linebacker, safety, when they take one, that means you're saying goodbye to one. And I look at Jermaine Pratt, he's extension eligible. And, you know, so maybe that's, uh, you know, the writing would be on the wall if they went linebacker at 31. It's not just Jesse Bates, Von Bell as well, going into his last year. And and so if they go that route, I think it's going to tell us a lot about their potential future plans. Now, this pers- this player could flop and might not be what they expect them to be, and then they still have to, you know, try to keep insert whoever that they in their mind are replacing. But I, I certainly think at 31, you you can't rule out positions because it might be pretty clear that safety is the t- the BPA or a linebacker areas that look if they get it right no one's going to question it it's when they get it wrong on the the position or reach for the Billy Price because Cedric they're trying Kauai. to be the smartest oh draft Cedric away he a year early because he's going to replace Andrew Whitworth and oh we we swear he's got sweet feet and blah 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 like you don't want to outthink the room either and and I I feel like that's what they did there but yeah exactly is. Whoever if they whoever they take at 31, it's obviously in their long-term plans. And if it's at a place where it doesn't feel like it's a need right now, it means you're saying goodbye to a familiar face, most likely. You know, another familiar face that it could spell is a Tyler Boyd, and that's a couple years down the line. But if they do take a tight end, you you're obviously not going to spend money on three wide receivers. So if the if the plan is in a couple years, we got Jamar Chase and Higgins, and we're gonna lock them up, and those are gonna be our two guys. Well, you're either going to cycle low-end guys or or draft picks at the slot position, or you pick a tight end that is actually good, and now you're paying a tight end similar to a, a top slot receiver, you know, $8, $10, $12 million by that time, you know, 20 25 or so down the range. Uh, you're right, we're already talking that far. But the idea is you got an over-the-middle target now of a higher caliber than some fifth-round slot receiver. So you could see why tight end not only would upgrade that position, but ultimately replace what they have in Tyler Boyd on third downs. Well, what about – James's favorite position, Chris Olave. He, he's a position now. He, he won't be there. If he's there, I you know. take him. I know, but well, it, do you take him if he's yes. there? Say, say, okay, Linderbaum, Olave, James. Which one? Uh, okay, well, it, then it's tougher because Linderbaum's probably top 15 player. Olave is a top 15 player. I think Olave might go top 10 
and certainly top 15. But if he fell, then what the hell is the NFL doing, first off, if Linderbaum and Olave are there? But, man, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with either one. Both he's not falling. No, he's I'm just not saying, falling. I, I know. I'm just saying. I would run to the podium. I would say, man, Joe, you're going to have – you're going to be able to just throw it up and just have guys streaking downfield. Jackson Carmen, just fall down. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> It would be challenging to get all four of those guys on the field. I mean, I think I think if you draft Olave, you might be looking at trading Tyler Boyd in the draft for like a second, third round, maybe less because he's a slot receiver pick uh, right away. I don't know. That, that's a, probably a pretty out there scenario to talk about. It is because he's not falling, right? That You know, no. that's where it ends. I, I would be absolutely Just like Alec floored. Pierce probably isn't going to be there when the Bengals pick in the third round as he was in our mock draft on Monday. Oh. Same, same idea. You like Alec Pierce, Joe? Sure. Yeah. I think you could get a vertical field stretcher that um, crazy good body control and ball skills. Uh, I think those guys end up playing. And even if they're not complete receivers, they end up being good at that one thing that they do, which I think he can, he can get downfield and make some plays. So we've talked about draft needs. We talked about how things line up. We're going to have Joe back on between now and the draft. We're going to talk about the second round. We're going to talk more about the third round. We're going to get into day two, day three. Yeah, We're baby. Probably talk about punter at some point. I don't know. Maybe we'll be you able to. You love punter talk. Uh, specialists are my favorite. The people Clark love Harris. punter talk. They do. And am I a man of the people? No. Is James a man of the people? Yes. So. We'll probably talk about punters at some point. If, right? if the number one punter is available at 31 and Chris Olave is there, who are you taking? Okay. Well, the punter, obviously. Well, no, I mean, I'm on, you got to trade up. You got to trade Joe Burrow for Jacksonville's number one overall pick and draft the best punter you can. I do want to see where Jake's like level is. If we say, okay, number one punter at 31, he's going to say no. 63, he's going to say no. And then we're going to be like third, fourth, no. fifth. Yeah. Like when does he start? When does he say, all right, let's do it? Seventh. You're not going to get I, him there. If you got to, I'm, the, I'm in the sixth, sixth right. for me, and sixth, maybe, I, maybe I'm, I'm not mad like at if, the sixth. If, if Darren Simmons, who is it's the thirty first, probably the, the best coach at Paul Brown Stadium, That's if he's point. like, "Hey, give me this guy," well, then I'm not going to be mad at fifth because it's not like they've hit on a bunch of fifth round picks outside of that Joe's point that a fifth rounder this year is essentially a sixth rounder is a really good point. I, I'm, I'm. Yeah, well, when you get to fifth round, especially with all the compensatory picks, there's a ton of early comp picks this year because of the yeah. coaches and all that stuff. The Ravens have like six fourth round picks or something like that. Not all comp picks, but you get the idea. Anyway, it's pushing the Bengals fifth round pick to be later, which makes me more okay with it. But that's enough puncher talk for today. We'll have plenty more or some more. I don't know. We'll see who gets their way in the future. Between the three of us, we'll have Joe back on in the future, too. We've talked needs. We've talked about value. And there's more to come. Until next time, Bengals fans, hootay, and have a good one.